Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. On the tee from Australia, Adam Scott. There it is, Adam Scott. Expect anything different? Brilliant. What an up and down that was. In your Welcome to the Clubhouse. Yeah, we're back. It's great to have your company right around Australia. This is the Clubhouse. Julian Bayard is my name. Mark Allen is here as well as we talk all things golf on. Well, an interesting news week in golf, Marco, you could say. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> One of the great celebrity <laughs> mugshots. How good mug shots? <laughs> mug shots are the greatest. Honestly. Touch wood, it never happens to me. God. Which one's the greatest ever mugshot? Has there ever been a... Oh, I, I saw the one where they compared um, Tiger Woods to Robin Allenby. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't bad. That's excellent. Charlie Sheen's one was good. Uh, Nick, thought... Nick Nolte's always mine. Yes. The Nick Nolte mugshot is a classic. Yep. He had a big night that night. Yeah. In fact, he might have had a big week. One of Lindsay Lohan's ones is pretty good. Yeah, she's got a few rippers. <laughs> no, they love the mugshots in the States. Yeah. No question about it. Yep. Um, he did blow double zero. He did. Yeah. Yep. Oh uh, yeah, which makes you wonder why he refused the breath test. Well, he's off his off his nana. Uh, anyway, does, I mean, we don't nana. want to get into. Did, this. You, did you read the police report? Yeah. So the police report got him out. He failed every test that they do. Yeah. So he was <laughs> he failed every single test. He couldn't put his finger to his nose. Yeah, they are walking down. He the couldn't road. do the one-legged standing thing. He couldn't walk in a straight line. They found him asleep at the wheel with the car running, mm. with the indicator on, the right-hand indicator on. He's had a mess. Damage at the front and the back. Tires down. Two flat tires. So he's gone over a curb. He's really made a deal a, of himself. He's had a bad time. He was going in the opposite direction of his home, which we just Googled and had a look at because it's reportedly a, worth about $110 million bucks. Not a bad house. It's a pretty good looking house. Um, can hit full nine irons in the backyard to different types of greens. That's a different story. He told police originally that he was coming home from a golf trip in... California, mm. Los Angeles. They said, you're going home, are you? But your home's that way. Which way are you going? So, completely, I don't know about you, but, you know, that's the same as having 15 pots and getting behind the wheel in my book. Yeah. Anyway, that's a totally different story. Yes. What is sad is, for me, when I look at, you know, he was, he's been so proud. You know, every time I read what he's doing lately, he's picking up his kids from school and taking them to school the next mm -hmm. day. Yeah. He's loving doing that while he's injured and re rehabilitating from his back. And we we spoke fusion. about his surgery last week about yeah. how he said he'd never felt better. Yeah, and all that stuff. Mentally was right. Yep, and, uh, he's all set to go. So on a just a human scale, mm. just for all humans, uh, it's sad because his his kids are old enough now to know that Dad's mugshot looks disgusting on the front page of every paper in the mm -hmm. planet. So that if we humanise it, I feel really bad for him. Yep. But God, you know, you just, you, you, you got to try really hard to do this sort of stuff, you know, <laughs> doesn't this, don't, you know, other people, it just doesn't happen to yeah. them. It doesn't happen, this stuff. Anyway. Anyway. Any way is right. Yeah. But gee, you know, you go back to 2009 when he came here at the Australian Masters. He'd be regretting that trip, wouldn't he? Woo. <laughs> imagine, imagine the sliding, you talk about sliding doors moments, Marco. Mm. He doesn't come down here. Do you reckon it all falls apart? Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> nah, look, 
The, ama- the amazing thing is the Inquirer is the publication that sent a journalist or a photographer down to Crown Casino on a whim. Mm. Someone called them. It was a taxi driver. A taxi driver called this publication and on the strength of that sent somebody down to Crown Casino in Melbourne hoping that Rachel Yucatel was going to turn up. And she did. And that was the first domino in this unbelievable spiral. Yeah. Not only his golf talents, but just his standing in the community. Mm. And unfortunately now, Tiger Woods is a punchline pretty much everywhere around the world. Mm. It's so sad. 14 majors he's won. His record in the WGCs is just, it's not even close. It's like 16-year-olds playing eight-year-olds. It's not even close what he's done in the world of golf in the last 30 years. No one's even close. For him to be at this point, this low, you know, Achilles injuries, tendons, knees, his back is now fused, and his whole life is a mess, except for the amount of cash he's got. (laughs) That's the only thing that's untouchable, probably. I think one of the things that we, it's a real shame, market. Mm. Is it's going to ruin his legacy in yeah. such a way. To and an I extent. think particularly this week, like all the players are talking up Sir Jack and what a great, yeah. you know, mentor and role model and what a great legacy he has. Yes, and you hear Gary all, Player, you, you Arnold hear Palmer. All these guys just talking them up. Yep. And you hope that in 30 years' time, mm. people are going to be saying the same thing about Tiger Woods. But, I mean, if he keeps going down this path... yeah. Well, it's nice to hear Jack reaching out and Dustin Johnson reaching out and all the greats of our game reaching out to Tiger and wishing him the best. And I think that's great. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure that would happen with some of the other players getting around on the PGA Tour. So, look, there is there's certainly a lot of love for Tiger Woods. And, you know, this, the, he's 41 years old. And, you know, those young guys on tour who would have looked at Tiger in 99 and 2000 and 2001 when he was untouchable, mm. dreaming about, you know, playing in the same tournaments with him, probably, when they were at college. To, to hear all those guys now who, you know, are statesmen um, and probably had their own worries themselves. You know, Dustin Johnson hasn't been um, squeaky clean. No. So they all go through it. And we luckily live in a uh, society where we forgive pretty much. You know, if, yeah. he, if he gets on with his life and starts doing some good stuff, then we all go, what a great bloke he is. Yeah. So we'll, we'll watch what happens and hopefully that'll... You know, that, that'll transpire and we get back on track and maybe he starts playing golf tournaments again, which would be great. Other than the famous chip in Augusta. Yeah. I, I want to talk about some of the good things. Yeah, okay. What's your favourite, you reckon? Oh, there was one shot in the Canadian Open where he hit a six iron from like 200 yards, mm-hmm. 180 metres, and he was in a fairway trap and he had to carry this water to a right-hand pin. It was the most ridiculous pin and he's... The shot didn't actually, the shot didn't actually finish on the green, but it was still just a ridiculous shot, and he got up and down and won the tournament. That was amazing. It was a seventy-second hole. Some of the shots that he's hit out of rough. I know David Ferretti tells the story that he went over and had a look at the lie, clicked his microphone on, spoke back to base saying, "Even Tiger's dead here." Mm. Tiger hit a seven iron, two hundred ten yards, one hundred ninety meters out of rough. That was impossible. And got the ball to stop on the green. Not just to land on the green, got the ball to stop <laughs> on the green. Uh, it was ridiculous. And 
I think Ernie Els might have even sworn, you know, the, the mic was still open. And, you know, it, some <laughs> of the stuff he was doing was ridiculous. Yeah. I think some of the reaction from other players, another one, Ernie Els was playing with him at Disney. And I remember him coming off the golf course and the caddy chatter was Ernie Els, you know, who was a superhero of the game. This young kid was heading at 60 yards past him, 50 yeah. metres past him, and won the tournament in a canter. And Ernie telling everyone who'd listened, what are we going to do about this guy? <laughs> you know, just, I think the player reaction, I think it's great. Yep. I think also, you know, getting people like David Duval, who was a world number one, and shooting 59s in last rounds and winning open championships, had a dodgy swing. Getting players like David Duval, purely on the strength of your ability, to have a look at their game yeah. and change. I mean, if you get to world number one, the best, you climb that pyramid, and there is another guy who's just taken your mantle and it makes you want to change to make your golf better. I mean, David Duval's best golf was unbelievable. He came second about eight or nine times in a row before mm -hmm. he won his first tournament, then went on to win big tournaments. He was the first guy, really, who went uh, from being a really large unit to changing the way his body looked, Yep, getting a lot stronger, uh, finding more length, even though they lost a lot of weight through work in the gym um and to get that man who was a, uh, you know i used to play I, I used to play practice rounds with him and he was an arrogant type <laughs> he really was to get that man to change what he was doing and what he was thinking because he was and amazing that's, that's just the influence that he had i mean it's just i love it to get I tiger love to do that, that yeah, yeah. Uh, even when he was just coming from behind you know his name mightn't have been on the leaderboard yep um in the first two rounds, in the third round, you know, on a moving day where he <laughs> shot a 64, yep. his name might just start creeping up. And then and, and then the crowd would just go. Then the crowd. And then I, I love those those famous shots at Augusta, the old school leaderboard, yep. where there'd be 10,000 people, I don't know, 10,000 yep. people watching the leaderboard. Watching a leaderboard. As you'd be coming up 14, 15, It's one of the things you've got to do at Augusta. And then the red marker would go from yep. 10 Red 10 yeah. to an 11 10, and everyone would go, Yeah, <laughs> as it went up. And it was simply just a score going up it, on the board. It's one of the phenomenons about Augusta yeah. because you get to the, you know, you're, everyone waits to the back nine of Augusta. But when yep. you get to the back nine of Augusta, there's usually only about 10 groups left on the golf course, mm. and there's still 30,000 people around trying to yeah. watch 10 groups. So scoreboard watching becomes part of yep. that tournament. Yep. You know, you can't always follow the last group. So people will make way, make you know their way to a scoreboard and follow the tournament that way. Yeah. And the numbers go up and yeah. people are literally cheering. You know, they might have heard a roar. Yeah. Then they suspect it, it was Tiger. It sounds like a Tiger <laughs> roar. And then, you know, the, the door where the numbers are about to slide <laughs> into, that will open and you can hear a... <laughs> and then... With the red number five next to it, a red number six goes into the new door, yep. and the it's another huge roar all over again. Yep. The acoustics of that place is on the. That was Jason Day last year, I yeah. reckon, when he was was it Jimmy Walker? Who yeah. Was, and he made an eagle or something at yeah. some point, and then when that went up on the board, everyone went nuts. Yeah, and, that's it. Yeah. My, my favorite shot. Sorry. Yeah. My favorite shot. The Firestone at night. Oh, no one could see what was going on. No one on. could see what was going on. Yeah, eat at the two feet. And there were, there's shots of people with candles out yeah, and trying to watch it. it. And no one could see what was happening. And they had the the uh, exposure on the camera such that you could almost see it. Yeah, that's night. right. And then they showed what it was really like. And it was pitch black. And dark. it was pitch black. Pitch and he hit it to dark. within 
two feet. Yeah, just give me the number. And yep. it just shows you, because, you know, once you're over the ball and you kind of, you look where the target is, but once you're over the ball, you don't really look for distance anymore. And you look at the target, this is how the pros operate anyway, because they're always giving a very accurate number to that pin wherever they are. Yeah. So even though they're looking where the target is, they're kind of looking over their spot, their spotlighting target. And we'll talk about maybe spotlighting, mm-hmm. maybe today, maybe another time. Um, they'll look at their spot. Then they look at the target just to get everything in their head and make sure that they feel like they're lined up right mm-hmm. because they've lined up right their entire life. If they're a little bit off, just by the way they look with each club, if, they, if, if their head has to tilt a little bit too much around the corner, they know mm-hmm. that they're aiming too far right or left. So they're just looking for alignment's sake, but they're not really looking for distance. But for distance, there's always the 112 is ringing in the back of your head. 108 to get to the tier plus six or plus four, uh, 112 is your number. Let's try and land it, 113, and get the ball to fizz back. So your number in your head is 113. Mm-hmm. 108's there, 1012 is there, but your number's 113 because you know it's going to fizz a little bit and come back. So even in darkness, you know, he can look at his spot probably just, um, and when he's looking at the target, that would just be a habit because he couldn't see the flag in that circumstance at Firestone, he couldn't see the flag. Mm. And then when he's back over the ball, he's thinking 113, let's make the 113 swing. And he did it. It was remarkable. He wouldn't have been able to see the ball. Yeah, Sometimes if you ever hit off and the sun's right in your eye, and it does make, because you know the sun's there, you want to look up quick in case you don't see where the ball goes, and it stuffs your swing right up. 100% it does. It stuffs it right up. trust it. The rhythm of your swing, the sequence gets... Um, poisoned a little bit, yeah. And you never, you know, it's, it's very awkward to hit that golf shot. You've just got to trust the people around you are, are actually watching. But you know, in darkness, it's the same thing as well because you look up quick to in any hope to see where the ball's going. You're yeah. never going to see it. Yeah. Anyway, that was a phenomenal shot. Well, I, re- I reckon one of my other ones was the. I think it was in a. Um, might have been in a Ryder Cup mm. where he had a. It was a par five, I reckon, from memory, yeah. and he might have had a two or a three iron, and no one thought he could get there. Yeah. And he had to make birdie or something to win the hole. I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. And he hit it and it was in the US and he looked at it and he goes like that and just threw his hands straight out and just started walking after the shot. <laughs> yes. And everyone went, oh, hang on. What's he done? And yep. he stiffed it to within about That's three right. foot. He did, the, he did the club twirl yep. on the walk, yeah. on the march yep. with both hands <laughs> out in front of him. Yep. And it was like his fingers, was, he was like a magician. Yep. <laughs> and he just knew it was golden. I reckon, I reckon... My one, I remember him playing in Chicago. He played at Cog Hill, and he didn't hit a fairway for the week, and he came second. <laughs> and I remember he got to this golf course at the Open Championship. I'll think of the name in a tick. But he got there, and he understood that he couldn't hit driver there because the course was running so much. The course was running so much that even if he hit driver well, it would probably just run out, you know. Yeah. And that happens at Open Championship. The only Open that I played in... At Carnoustie, the problem wasn't hitting it straight. The problem was stopping the ball. Yeah. So, you know, there were 240-yard runouts, and a runout is if there's a dog leg to the right and your alignment is down, you know, at this tree in the distance, then the runout is the distance at that tree where the ball runs into the rough. Yeah. So you might have a 240-yard runout, and my six iron would go 180, carried 180. I'm hitting six iron because <laughs> I couldn't stop the ball safely. Yeah. So the runouts were important. Anyway, he got here. He knew the runouts were golden, and he said before the tournament that he 
probably wasn't going to hit driver. He'd won, driver once because it was a windy first day. And he won that tournament hitting driver once. <laughs> hit two iron off every tee, basically. Irons off every single tee. And he won the tournament in the canter yeah. after coming second the week before. I'm thinking about not hitting my driver, mostly just because I can't hit it straight. <laughs> <laughs> Get it back to 44 inches long or even 43 and a half inches long. You know, when he was playing his best golf, it's funny, you got, when he was playing his very best golf, his driver was 43 and a half inches long. Yeah. Had the steel shaft in it, just the, you know, probably wide. Uh, I think it might have been the first sort of titanium-ish tideless driver. That he, and he put a bore through um, in himself so that the driver itself didn't have a shaft hole that went right through the sole plate. And what he did, it's called a bore through. So he, he drilled a hole right through the sole plate because for whatever reason, he thought it felt better. So for, you know, a lot of players, Aaron Badley copied him. And got the driver made exactly the same, 43 and a half inches, X100 shaft mm -hmm. with the bore through, and he got the shaft pushed through um, one inch, which made the X100 shaft even stiffer. And Aaron Badley played the most ridiculous golf. So, you know, I look back to those days and see these players using 43 and a half inch drivers, and now they're using 43 inch three woods, and you know, their, their driver that's 45 and a half inches long, they can't get it right, they can't get it straight. Yet their three wood, and Tiger was this guy, I mean, he did his three wood, his three wood was his fairway finder, that and his stinging two iron. <laughs> they were his fairway finders. They were the same length of his driver when he was playing at his best. Yeah, you know, a lot of players go, Sergio Garcia to this day, or he's using a 43 and a half inch driver. Jimmy Walker was experimenting with a 43 inch driver. Yep. His, stat, his stats man mm. said... Said, you've just got to hit a few more fairways. Yep. If you hit more fairways, you'll you go did. to another level. So he went and tried to get a 43-inch driver going. I'm not sure what he's using now. I'm but not sure that he was went back. Yeah, yeah, that was certainly what he was doing at yep. the start of the year. Mm. Anyway, all that, stuff's, all that stuff's interesting. Even, even when he first came out, his pitching wedge was 50 degrees, which is probably, you know, a lot of players have the four wedge system in play now. They have a, a 60, a 56, and a 52. and yep. Yeah, their pitching wedges are usually around 47 degrees or something, or 46 degrees in some sets. And his was just the basic 50 degree, which is, you know, that's going back to loft, standard loft lies of, you know, 1960s and 1970s and 1980s. So he did some funny things with his equipment. Yep. Yeah, it was great to watch. It was yeah. great to watch a man with no tricks in the bag just destroy golf the way he did. Yeah. It was remarkable. Gee, I'd love to see him back. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Well, it's going to be interesting to see with that back fusion. You know, I know well, he'll, he'll be right. He'll get past this pretty quick, I reckon, because he is Tiger Woods. Yeah. And there, there is a People certain amount of arrogance quickly. about him. And certainly uh, his story is spot on. He said he wasn't drinking alcohol. Mm. And when they breathalyzed him and when they did the blood test or the urine test, it certainly came up as no alcohol in his system. Yeah. So I think I think with that in his back, in the back of his mind, yeah. I reckon he'll probably be arrogant enough to come back and come through this and I hold his a bit and away he goes. I can't wait over the next three, four months when he does start coming back, looking at his swing, to see how it adjusts with that back fusion. Well, he's going to have to turn those hips if he wants the same yeah, and shoulder turn. We spoke turn. about it last week, and I reckon it's fascinating for a lot of our listeners out there who might mm. have back problems. Mm. Trying to adjust their swing and how they can get oh, more yeah. distance and how they can get more accuracy Absolutely. and power and things well, like that. So I think it's going to be really good to watch. I'm glad you brought it up because the basic is if you're an older person or, or if you picked up the game late, you're just not going to have mm. the flexibility in your spine like a young Tiger Woods did. Tiger Woods and a lot of players, you know, when they were growing up, they tried to keep their hips still mm. because they were overextending on their backswing. Their shoulders turned too much. Yeah, but. That's not going to be the case with Tiger anymore. Tiger's going to have the back of a, 
45 or 50 year old yep. basic well, one let's take a break you've come back to, yeah, right. and i want to talk to you about this maybe some of our people out there listening who might have some back problems can't get the distance they want on their swing yeah how you can help them yeah, let's maybe do it. get an extra 20 let's 30 do yards let's do it take a break this is a clubhouse back with more next in your life have you seen anything like that you're listening to the clubhouse yeah, we're back. It is the Clubhouse. Julian Bayard, Mark Allen with you. Uh, long segment on Tiger to start things off. Who would have thought? That's okay. <laughs> I like I it. I like reminiscing but about Tiger. What we did at the end was we talked about how he's coming back from his back fusion surgery. Yep. He's probably still two, three months away. But I find it fascinating. Going, I reckon it's going to be fascinating looking at his swing and mm. what he's going to be able to do to get power. And Because we see blokes like Jason Day, Rory McIlroy, Dusty, they all drive it so far. Yeah. And Tiger came back and he was 50 yards short of it. He was. And now that he's got his back, he's completely stuffed. He's going yeah. to be another 20 to 30 yards shorter again. Yeah, well, it's going to be tighter again. I so, mean, I'm not sure. what. Let, let's just say with the fusion, and they yeah. fused three vertebrae, not one, yeah. <laughs> not, not yeah. two. There were two free two uh, fusions done, is what I've been told, um, and read. So, let's just say that that's another fifteen percent mm. of flexibility that he has now lost. Yep. Now let's let's just let's let's. I want to talk about people who protect their back. Yeah. This is really important. When when people come in and they say, "Listen, I've got a really crook back. I can't turn much." What they try and do is they try and swing their arms further back. Yeah. Now this might get you a longer backswing that they're really concerned about. But what it does is it disconnects your arms and your body completely and makes golf impossible, mm. absolutely impossible. So you've got you've got to think about your spine, all right? So you've got to crook back, and the pain's right down the bottom. It might even be in the middle. Maybe it's at the top. Yeah. And you want to stop that pain, but you still want to get a turn of some kind. Mm-hmm. When people start the game of golf, because the ball is so small and the sweet spot even smaller. Like if you've got a normal five iron, the sweet yeah. spot's about as big as a thumbnail. Mm-hmm. So it's not a big sweet spot. So people automatically want to become precise. They don't want to move too much. And they keep their hips still and they try and make the backswing with the arms. And this is the number one reason why shots go left and right and you can't actually understand why it's happening. Uh, the best players in the world, because their arms stay in front of their body, just the feedback is much better mm-hmm. and they can understand why they hit the ball left and right. So people protecting their back, they try and stay still and their arms go past. They swing with their arms and this is the biggest disaster you can make. So if you have a really bad back and you've been one of these types that tries to stay still, trying to be precise, you've got to throw this right out the window. And you have to go back and and probably have a look and Google's a great thing, YouTube's a great thing. I want you to YouTube uh, Sam Snead. Now Sam Snead was one of the greatest ever hitters of a golf ball this world has ever seen and he was also one of the most flexible men that the world has ever seen uh, his his shoulder turn is the reason why slamming sam was known as slamming sam he had one of the greatest shoulder turns the world has ever seen in right. golf i've got it up here on my computer i'm just right. watching it have so. a look have a look at the hip turn his hips used to turn an absolute mm. mile now You've got to watch some of these videos. He's a great one to watch. His hips turn back a long, long, long way. Um, and if you've been listening, if you're, if you're a sort of person who Googles golf swings and listens to people and they say, you know, you've got to keep both feet flat these days. Mm. Yeah, that's for kids who are 18, 19, even 16-year-olds who are hyper-flexible. Yep. If you're listening to this, 
It's because you are not hyperflexible. No. In fact, you're the other way. You're back you're stuff. You're inflexible. Yeah, got no movement. So the only way that you can keep your arms in front of your body and make a reasonable turn to get some power, because you need a little bit of power in golf to really enjoy yourself, mm-hmm. so you need power and accuracy with a crook back, is to turn those hips like you've never turned them before. Now, when you do this, if you've been keeping your feet flat on the ground for a long time, because you've heard that terminology before, um, it's going to feel like your ability to be precise is now thrown out the window because you're moving so much. But go back to YouTube. Go back to Sam Snead. Go back to some of the old golfers that we see and watch their hip turn. Yeah. It's remarkable. And look at the, the left foot on Snead and the oh, knee yeah. here. Oh, yeah. Is just, it's off. Oh, yeah. The old, the right old golf, a lot, look, a lot of, a lot of old golf now. We're all going back to it because yeah. golf. If you're, if you're a great player, you can play from the time you're 21 until the time you are 51. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're seeing a lot of players wanting to do that now because, to be honest, if you're a golfer, you're pretty much unemployable yeah. once you finish up. Unless you can uh, the radio show. Unless you can do that sort of <laughs> stuff, or you know, you, you, unless you're happy giving lessons for the rest of your life, yep. or, or whatever, you know, you, 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 most people are living until they're eighty years and old. And the now. thing people forget, Marco, mm. is the equipment that these guys were using oh, back yeah. then. That to be so precise. Oh, so the, precise. Yeah, yeah. Drivers were, were the size of Mate, five woods. Sweet spots were like this. Yeah, size size of five woods, and the yep. golf ball is different. Look, a whole lot of other things. Yep. You know, but once upon a time we used to play with the small ball as well. Yeah. These guys probably. They probably just missed the small ball area. I think uh, back in the day of Sneed and Hogan, they were, they were just starting to use the big ball. Anyway, hip turns the key. And keeping that for right-handers, uh, I love the old terminology when they were tucking in their right arm at impact and they were getting their right elbow close to their belly button. And I tell a lot of people this these days, particularly now because I'm getting older and I've found that I have to turn my hips to get any kind of power yes. as well. And I was one of the guys, I was hyper flexible as a kid mm-hmm. and I didn't move my hips at all, yep. not a bit. And I could still make a huge fo- a shoulder turn. And then you started raking leaves and your back was stuck. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so now I'm a, I'm a believer. So now that I tuck my right arm in yep. and I try and get my right elbow as close to my belly button as I possibly can at, mm-hmm. at a dress and I turn them both back together. And I try to, the I try to feel like there's a bit of elastic on my rod elbow connected to my belly button, and I don't want the elbow to get very far away from it. Yeah. It's a different way of playing for a lot of people, but keeping your right elbow and the belly button connected, it's a way that you don't feel like you're so loose mm-hmm. and out of control. So, to everyone listening today, even if you haven't got a, a sore back, if you're just older and you don't feel like you're hitting the ball very far, it's, it's only because your shoulder turn's not very far. I mean, your shoulder turn is the horsepower in a golf swing. And your hand action at the bottom, that's the turbo charge. So if you've got a lot of horsepower, so a massive shoulder turn, mm-hmm. and your arms are in front of your body on the way down, and you have got a brilliant hand action, and you can only get one of those from hitting millions and millions of golf balls, or you're very coordinated, one or the other, then your golf ball is going to go as far as anybody. Mm. As far as anybody. But um, just getting your hips to turn. So you've got to feel like your belt buckle is absolutely dancing. And that right arm and your body never gets past or behind your body. And that's what I'm talking about before with the right elbow staying connected with your belly button. But if you're 40 years old, taking up the game late, or you know, played as a kid and did something else you know, when you are able to run around, and now you've come back to golf and you want to hit the ball a bit further with control, arms have to stay in front of the body. You have to get some kind of a shoulder turn. And the only way you can do that when you're getting older 
uh, it's because your spine is is tightening up is to turn those hips like they've never turned before so if you can do that and keep your head now this is this is the important bit this is the icing on the cake right, here listen up you've got to make a big turn but you've got to keep your head in the same place don't think about your head staying still because if you keep your head still it actually restricts your ability to turn back your head stays in the same place but actually rotates a little bit mm -hmm. So your head's got to be able to ro rotate. So you've got to be able to turn your hips, keep your head in the same place, not still. It's just got to stay in the same place. Um, and then you'll get as big a shoulder turn as possible, keeping your arms in front of your body. And that's just a better way to play the game. Yep. I like it. Right. There I hope, that, I hope well, I that helps that, some people. I think some people out there will listen to that and go, that's how I'm going to yeah. get a little bit well, of extra so, Some of the guys that I play with, yeah. and, and you know, they've, they've been sportsmen all their life. Yeah. Because they're very good with their hands and hand-eye coordination. They just feel like their hand action is going to get the job done. It doesn't. No. It doesn't. No. Turn those hips. Keep your head in the same place. Not still. Keep mm -hmm. your head in the same place and play better golf. Like it. We're going to get to a break. Plenty more Clubhouse still to come right after this. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to The Clubhouse. Welcome back. Mark Allen, Julian Bayard is my name. Great to have your company as we talk golf right around Australia. If you do miss the show, you can always podcast it. Just search for The Clubhouse on iTunes or on Facebook. Marco, uh, some of our best youngsters all playing in one tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, golf, Australia, golf Australia's Ben Everill did a fantastic interview mm. with our three brightest young stars, Brett Coletta, yep. Curtis Luck and Ryan Ruffles. They're all playing the Memorial. In fact, Australia has 10% of the field. At the memorial. 10%. Yeah. So to get these kids on the eve of playing in one of the biggest tournaments in the whole world, yeah. I mean, it's a miracle that they're all playing, is just sensational. So let's have a listen in to what Ben Everill and the boys had to say before this, big, this week's tournament. Here we are, guys, at the memorial tournament with the next generation of Australian golf, these three superstars that are going to take the game forward for Australia and into the future. Uh, Ryan Ruffles, Brett Coletta, and, of course, Curtis Luck. Boys, you're all in the field here at the Memorial this week. It's Jack's place. Greg Norman's being honoured. It's a massive week for everyone, but typically the Australians as well. Uh, are you excited to be here and tell us about just you know being at Jack's place and being in this enormous PGA Tour event? Yeah, I mean, this is as close to a major as a PGA Tour event can sort of come. I mean, the golf course is spectacular. Um, it's hosted not only Memorial, but President's Cups and everything along those lines. So, I mean, the course has so much history to it. The tournament has so much history, and obviously Mr. Nicholas himself. So, uh, to be able to get invited this year, uh, along with some buddies that I've grown up with and played a lot of golf with, it's it's a cool experience. So, I'm really looking forward to it. Brett? Yeah, pretty much hit on the head there. You know, what, you know, Jack inviting us is just a great experience. You know, to come play this event, like you said, the best event outside of our major. You know, it's hard to comprehend that really because I haven't been out here too long. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to get started this week, absolutely. Yeah, and, and just this experience that we're getting um, playing PGA Tour events. We're all early professionals, so um, it's about as, I guess, uh, good a practice as we're going to get, um, hopefully, for the rest of our careers, um, kick starting here. So um, good results here for the three of us. Could really do some uh, damage, I guess, for the rest of our. Lives, really. What does it feel like for you guys to be introduced as like the future of Australian golf? I know obviously you've been there, you guys are obviously part of that group, but um, to, to sort of be carrying the torch that, you know, Peter Thompson decades ago and now then the Shark who's going to be on it this week and of course Adam Scott and Jason Day now uh, world number ones in the last few years. I mean, what is that like to, to be the next generation out of a country with that sort of, you know, history and background? 
I think golf's in a really good spot in Australia um, at the moment. I think um, having three guys under 20 is a pretty impressive thing at a PGA Tour event um, for starters, but I know there are plenty behind us that are kind of just following up the ranks. Um, I know back home, Minwoo Lee um, from Western Australia is obviously one that I think to look out for in the, in the coming years, but yeah, it's, uh, it's really cool to follow in their footsteps at this stage and yeah, hopefully we can continue performing. Anything to add there, Ron? Yeah, I mean, we've all taken a little bit different paths to get to sort of a somewhat similar position, and I think that's a credit to all the service providers in Australia, not only in Western Australia or in uh, Victoria or New South Wales. I think throughout the country we've got some really good systems in place, and I think uh, it's just sort of starting to show. I think uh, for us, Golf Australia put a pretty good structure around us pretty early, and I think you're starting to see a few of the younger guys who are starting to reap the benefits of that. and. Um, Hopefully we're the first of a lot of Australian golfers to come up and start playing on PJ Tour. And a pivot back to this being Jack's place and, and Jack Nicholas. Now I know Brett, you've got a pretty good story about getting here a few days back. Um, first person you met was the Golden yeah. Bear himself, wasn't it? Tell us about that. Yeah, so I've come straight from Melbourne back at home, so you know the time difference is quite severe. Um, so I decided to come here Sunday morning, just get a look at the golf course, get the vibe, and um, I was talking to the tournament director, Danny, um, on the putting green. and. Uh, up comes Jack in his cart, and um, you know we had a chat for a good twenty, probably thirty minutes, and you know it was, you know it was quite breathtaking actually. Mm -hmm. um, but you know the way he kind of invited me to talk to him, that's what really got me. Mm -hmm. You know it was, um, you know he easily could have just passed and been busy, I would have thought nothing of it. But you know the way he come up and introduced himself and everything, and I thanked him for the invite, and you know it's just it's such a great thing for golf, I think for this young generation of us. Mm -hmm. And of course, you guys are just starting out, but can you fathom 18 majors, 79, I think PGA Tour wins it is, can you fathom a career that impressive? <laughs> I don't even think I've played in 79 tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying to, yeah, it's incredible. Mind-boggling, yeah. yeah. Is it, you guys obviously, again, you come in young, you come in uh, confident, rash, you know, ready to play. Uh, do you have the mindset that you can win when you just tee it up at a tour event, despite the fact that, you know, 10 of the top 10 in the FedEx Cup are here this week and that sort of thing, the big names are all here? 100%, I think. Um, well, that's what my mentality anyway. I try every event. I try, I prepare before an event, during the year, away from tournaments and at tournaments to try and give myself the best chance at finishing first. And um, that's the way I try and approach it. And hopefully, if I don't finish first, I finish second. If I don't finish second, I finish third. So, it's um, that's sort of the mentality I try and have, and I'll continue to, have, I guess. Yeah, we're just very eager and, and hungry, obviously to, um, I think get some status ultimately <laughs> out here. So, um, that's going to get us through, um, without a doubt, regardless of I guess how we're feeling about our games. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely. Hoping for a good week this week, being such a big event, and uh, I'm sure these two are also in the same situation. Yeah, there, Marco, and we thank uh, Golf Australia and the PGA Tour for uh, that bit of audio. What well on, fantastic! I like good ben on you, Ben. Benny's a great. Uh, uh, he does a great job. Writer and um, great uh, on Twitter as well. Yes. in the majors, you can almost follow. And follows Australians what's going around. On. Yeah, he's very yes. good. He's yes. very very good. But a big thanks to Golf Australia. Yep. Actually, just down on the third floor. They are the, downstairs. Yeah, just yes. downstairs in the same building. <laughs> Might have to go down and say, down and say hi. Yeah. <laughs> we will have to do that at some stage. Uh, one more masterclass, masterclass coming up. Still to come, so right don't on. go anywhere.
Marco's Masterclass. Time for a free golf lesson from Mark Allen. You've already had one earlier mm. on in the show. About, go uh, back and have a listen if yeah. you've got a sore back. Go back and have a listen. And want to play some good golf. That's it. Hey, uh, one, the crux of that, one of, one of the cruxes of the early lesson was the right elbow being tucked in mm-hmm. and pointing at your belly button. And that was for full swings. I reckon people should try it with their putting as well. Yeah, I see. I, yeah. I, I'm a big believer in it. And, uh, you know, the best players, they putt with their shoulders or their rib cage. Yeah. Actually, does a lot of moving. Bad putters, it's all arms. Yeah. Same and thing. With, yeah, same, <laughs> same thing as with uh, actually hitting the ball. The best players use their body uh, and the worst players use their arms and hands. Yep. It's exactly the same when they putt. Now, when I putt these days, because I said before, I, I had to find a little bit extra turn did. to actually play the game. So I started turning my hips. Because I had my right arm tucked in and trying to feel like my elbow was close to my belly button all the way through the swing and turning those two things away, I was actually having to feel it around on the putting green. And now I'm putting that way as well. Because that right arm being tucked in and elbow being close to the belly button, it's just one of the arms. So you can keep your left arm nice and loose, nice and free. But it actually helps turn everything away. And you actually turn the belly button and the elbow when you're putting as well. Keep your head still. You don't have to keep it in the same position for this one when you putt. You just keep your head still, but get that right arm and belly button nice and close. Mm. Uh, it might seem strange if you're in the car at the moment, but wait until you get outside and put a putter in your hands and set up in your putting position. Tuck that elbow in, get the elbow close to the belly button, and actually putt with those two moving together. Almost anchoring your arm. Oh, uh, don't say uh, that. Was that a, did don't. you say tuck your elbow no, no, into your no, belly no, button there, no, Marco? No. If, if you're putting like <laughs> a short putter, you can actually do it. But that is a great way to play because you'll take the arms and hands out of it and yep. you'll be using the big muscles in your back and your shoulders to putt with. And that's the way the best players do it. Nice. So that right elbow close to the belly button, not only when you make a full swing, but when you putt as well. Perfect. Why don't just don't anchor it? You might come down the four before you oh, know. I've got to get it. You're going to be back into single figures, yeah. Yeah, well, it's getting a bit cold. <laughs> don't worry uh, about that. Your masterclass, all for Club Mandalay Golf Course to hit the golf course. Play golf at Club Mandalay. Uh, clubmandalay.com.au is the website. Book online there and save 10% when using the code CMGOLF. CMGOLF is the code. Uh, hit the golf course. Play golf at uh, Club Mandalay. When you get home tonight, make sure you push the record button on your Foxtel and watch the last round of Memorial. One of the great tournaments and one of the great golf courses that they have up north in America. Love it's it. a ripper. We'll review it next week, Mark. I'll see you then. See you back. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.